this week's episode of Everything You Need Is Within. I have a very special guest for all of you tonight. And for those that are into social media, the creator economy, influencer marketing, digital marketing, entertainment, this episode's for you. Um, I love influencer marketing for a lot of reasons. One of them being that I thought I wanted to do it corporately or on the agency side when I graduated college, but... I then went the influencer creator route. So it's kind of crazy to have had both of those experiences. But enough about me. The guest for the night um, is a very accomplished influencer marketing expert who works at the top digital marketing, influencer marketing, uh, advertising agency, um, Ogilvy Marketing. And we have Ansley Williams up here tonight. So welcome to my fun little show, my little corner on the internet. Uh, how are you doing, Ansley? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on. I'm so excited to, to speak on this. Obviously, I sort of do this day in and day out. Um, so it's exciting. It's also exciting to speak to a creator, yeah. you know, and, and learn about that side. Yeah, I'm beyond excited to have you here, especially because I feel like this is an episode that will not only give the people who do marketing and advertising that perspective, it'll also give prospective uh, students interest uh, into the influencer marketing since there's so many more jobs now because of the pandemic, which we'll get into. Um, But then it will also give creators a taste of what actually goes on behind the scenes at like the top of the top uh, agencies and how you guys run campaigns and how you figure it out and how how it's really um, become, I think, a staple in the advertising world. So uh, before we get into that, can you just tell us a little bit about your background and how you fell into influencer marketing um, specifically? Sure, sure. So my long and winding journey started uh, in 2000. 10, I guess. I was a fashion intern at a boutique in my town of Athens, Georgia. I went to UGA. And so we used Facebook uh, albums to show people our clothing. This boutique actually went on to be on Shark Tank. Um, It's called the Red Dress Boutique. But uh, our, our boss was so innovative and they would put models in the clothing from the community, like students at UGA, and put Facebook albums off. So that was my first taste sort of of influencer marketing. Um, You know, because influencer is really all about people that influence you to buy products, services, experiences, that sort of thing. And I really started there. But then when I graduated, I went to fashion jewelry buying and designing. And so I got to go to like Hong Kong and Seoul and really get to know the fashion jewelry space where we were talking about PR and influencers a little bit, owned my own copywriting business for a while. And then I actually, through one of my clients, just through the like work, and that's why, you know, I've listened to your podcast and it's so important to network and all about the people you know, because one of my clients referred me to an advertising agency position. And all the, the jobs that I wanted were in required agency experience. And so I was like, I'll try this out. Uh, it had an influencer marketing title and I was like, what is this? So I just, I just took it just to get that agency experience under my belt and went in with one other person and we built the team from two to 12 over five years. But I was working in the space when I was contracting blog articles and editing them myself and, and contracting for word count and all of these, you know, different early forms of influencer marketing. And then so we grew the practice from 
two to 12. And then I joined Ogilvy and we've grown just our little influencer team from three to 18 just over the past two years. Wow. That is wild. That's amazing. And it's so crazy to think about how it's evolved. I mean, for, I guess, a decade, I feel like a lot of people think influencer marketing has been just like a kind of like five-year thing, but it's really been going on for a lot longer than that. You guys are definitely the trendsetters. So tell me a little bit more about what that was like in terms of like contracting bloggers and like, how did you see that as like an innovative way to market at the time? Because it was something that not a lot of people... I think maybe thought was like a legit career path. Maybe they thought bloggers were stupid or it was like that very like Tumblr era. Um, you know, how did you see through that um, strategically and in, in I guess, the eyes of innovation? Yeah, I think when we, we started out, blogs were, yeah, I guess it was something people were kind of hesitant to join. They were a little bit suspicious of, but I think that was more from a marketing perspective because people that were on the other side, the consumers, they were reading all of these blogs. They had huge reach. And so we would reach out to these influencers or bloggers and they would they would say their web traffic. And I was shocked to hear about their web traffic. And then they had niche communities that they were tapping into and using things like Facebook groups to connect with other people. That's the wonderful thing I think about social media is it connects you to people all over the world with common interests like it Mm -hmm. links you to them and you know one of the girls on my team is a tiktok content creator and she was like my best friend now is um someone over 60 and she's like 24 so she's in gen z she's like but i would never meet that person without my community that i built and so it was all about community then and i saw the power of it, it was so new and I was like, if I get in its infancy, I can help build. I can shape what this industry looks like. And I think when I first joined too, a lot of the the photos were so pristine and aspirational and you just wanted to be like all of these bloggers that were having these amazing experiences. And really I got into travel blogs first mm-hmm. through Pinterest. And then we actually started contracting Pinterest posts and thinking about the whole consumer journey and how people find blogs and that sort of thing. And you know, we, we saw such great results and we would actually put the content that our bloggers created in ads versus our ads. And mm. that's how we really saw the effectiveness is uh, influencers as content creators because people wanted to see themselves in ads. I always say, let's put real people in ads again because people don't want to see, I, I, I think that they do sometimes want to see like celebrities and the top people and models and stuff, but most of the time they would just want to see themselves right. using products, everyday products and I saw the power in that and I also wanted to to bring and humanize brands and that was that was the way to do that. Yeah, I love all of that and on the note of meeting people that can become your friends like from online. I mean, I think that's one of the coolest ways that the industry or the creator landscape has really um just been so transformative for friendships and like the idea of like a modern pen pal can really be somebody who you met over TikTok and I I mean like literally a couple of my friends like have been like my good good best friends now are people I met online um through TikTok through like the chronically ill community that like we're both chronic illness influencers or um you know we're both students or we both are a part of Gen Z doing like talk shows or like making apps like literally it's so wild to me so um how have you kind I know you just 
briefly mention it, but how have you watched the landscape evolve over the past decade that you've been in the field? Yeah, it's it's been a lot about platforms, niche uh, influencers and topics, and then also the types of content. So, you know, we were editing long form posts and it was all about the storytelling and then making visuals for Pinterest. And they, they used to look very different than they do now <laughs> with the it's graphics. Still flawless. <laughs> yeah, but still, but still, uh, I think amazing, especially for the, the time that we were in. And then, you know, as platforms emerged and got bigger, so we changed our Pinterest and blog strategies to t- uh, TikTok strategies and Instagram strategies. And now we're putting together more strategies on like Twitch and gaming influencers. And it, it's just changed as I think the platforms emerged. And we sort of got ahead of every platform that was gaining traction. Mm-hmm. And listening, it's very, what I love about influencer working is the consumer decides what's cool, what's yeah. trending, how they want to shop, how they want to receive information, how they want to be entertained. So all of these platforms emerged and then video got to be so popular. At one point in time, we were talking about working with Viners. Mm-hmm. That just tells you how long I've been in the, the industry. But um, we were thinking about like, how do we make funny videos and how do we bring people in and how do we reach a younger generation? Mm-hmm. It was through these platforms. And now we're very focused, of course, on video and TikTok and short form storytelling. And we think that in YouTube, of course, there's a place for pretty much everything. We've even worked in B2B with podcasters, like yeah. podcast influencers, to actually have a real discussion about brands and topics that people are interested in versus just ads and commercials right yeah it's like you're saying it's about humanizing like the actual act of making an ad or facilitating the relationship between a freelancer influencer creator and working together to produce something that feels like relatable that feels interesting that's unique to somebody's audience and I think that that has been so present I actually got a BFA which a lot of people know um from my audience so I have this like background of storytelling and image making behind me that helps me with that creative production element so I'm able to really intertwine what I'm doing with ads into my brand but I think it's really interesting as we see these overnight stars kind of like blow up and it's like hi here I am promoting this foundation <laughs> and it's like how do how do you kind of advise and um, help these creators with a content brief because a lot of times creators will get a brief and maybe they're so hype about the money or they're hype about the affinity to a brand um, or maybe the campaign in general is cool like some something is cool about it um, how do you help pick and choose those creators for actually yeah two-part question how do you help pick and choose the creators for the brand and then how do you help the creators create content that actually is like truly made for her audience and whatnot yeah so i think first i'll say if you wouldn't promote the brand without compensation without money if you wouldn't test or try something without the money say no Mm-hmm. brand and advertisers like myself will appreciate you saying no because it's not authentic to you you wouldn't do it anyway so don't do it for the money do it for your followers do it for yeah. yourself um i would say start there first <laughs> and then as far as what we look for is we, we look for authentic people we, we look for people that align with the brand values and i i know that's such a you know advertising statement but really like the people that speak like us, uh, talk like us, or give us a new perspective. So we're always looking for voices outside of our echo chamber, right, to talk about these 
different topics and we're looking for real people that believe in you know whatever it is and really talk about their topic and health with passion and so I would say that that's on that side. And we, we also have vetting criteria too. Of course, we look for engagement rates. We look for fake followers. We can mm-hmm. see a lot of things on our side for like the tools and stuff that we use. So we can see a lot of that. And so we look for authenticity above anything. And that's a whole different discussion, right? Like what's authentic. Yeah, but, but I think it's we, worth having. Also. Yeah, yeah. I, I think authentic is like truly being yourself and representing what you believe in um, and what you're passionate about or, you know, if you're passionate about entertainment and making people laugh and making people think or educating them about a topic, do that. Do what, what comes natural to you. Everyone, I always say, just remember you're unique just like everybody else, but it's true. Like, you have something to give and to show people and to talk about, so do that. And people, and brands will come to you for that specific thing. You're doing it right when brands are coming to you and asking you to basically do the thing that you're known for that you do yeah right, right. that's what we want we want yeah. people that are just going to talk about our brands in the best way and try our products that they would actually like want to try you know yeah and they would want to use absolutely I feel like it's been there's been a couple of really interesting things and like just seeing influencers kind of go through and like host these coaching experiences for smaller creators to find their niche or become more creative. Um, I'm, I know I didn't send you this question before. It just kind of came to me, but like, yeah. also we have come up on our 15 minute mark. If you need water, sometimes I do a little water break at 15 oh, yeah. minutes, like drink water. <laughs> yes. Yes. Hydrate. We love to hydrate over here on my, <laughs> my podcast. I love that. I, I always have a half gallon of water. <laughs> I am lame and drink out of plastic water bottles. Um, Cause I, my sink has like the like hose part, like you can't put a filter on it. Like it's like the one that like, like spray. Do you know what I'm talking about? The New one York that, like, living. Yeah. I, yeah. You can't, you can't do any, like I, uh, I go, I have one of those too. And yeah. I just feel lucky to have that. Yeah. Like, I don't faucet. have, and I don't have the thing built into my fridge. Samsung want to sponsor me. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Or, um, yeah, I get a, like a Brita filter and then I threw it away cause I was just, I just, yeah, it. it's, it's very cumbersome. I mean, yeah. we try. Um, yeah. so, okay. The question that came to me is what do you think about these kind of like still micro influencers coaching people that want to become influencers on how to be influencers? Like, do you think that we should just keep like everyone, like I know that that is a very niche niche um, of like influencer marketing or the influencer world. But do you think that we should be encouraging the average person to kind of take a stand and just like be a creator? Yeah, I think. I mean, as an average person, you're still a person, and you right. have things that you believe in, products you love. You have a story to tell. You have something to teach. You've been through your life experiences. Uh, maybe somebody else is struggling with that life experience, or maybe someone else is struggling the way you are, or face the same challenges. I, I like that TikTok and influencer marketing and video, especially, yeah, allows you to dig into those stories and find people that you connect with. I mean, I think what's so powerful about these platforms and being able to speak and be on podcasts is basically normalizing stuff for you. It's, mm-hmm. it's so big. Like when you, when you see people that look like you, when you hear about situations that you've been in and how people have dealt with them, really just like 
it's just comforting to hear that somebody else has been through the same thing you've done and lived, lived to tell the story, right? It's like, it, I think anybody really could be an influencer or creator. It's all about finding what you want to talk about and finding the your followers and your community, really. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and do it for the right reasons, right? Like, you want to build a following because you want to connect with other people like you and you want to inspire them every day and you want to create content for them and entertain them and educate them and bring them along. And as far as coaching, like, that's what you're good at. And, and you're you're able to coach people so they're more mm-hmm. successful in their side businesses, side hustles, or their main business as a content creator. By all means, please, please add value yeah. to everyone's lives wherever possible, you know? Yeah, I love that. And then do you have a take on kind of this conversation going on around the word influencer versus the word creator? And how do you distinguish them? Um, yeah. Because that's kind Big of topic. Right now. Yeah. Yes, it's a hot topic. It really is because there is a difference, right? But I think influencers, I'm, I've always talked about dropping the R because it's really mm-hmm. about talking about influence. People yeah. with influence, just in general, means that you people have the ability to influence your decisions, just your everyday, inspire you, whatever that means. I feel like it's almost became a dirty word, influencer even though it's really just about connection Mm -hmm. and then creation, I think is something different in itself when you're really like content creators or creating content, that's what they're doing. And the medium is different, but I think it's the same type of thing you're influencing by creating content. So it's almost like the type and then the medium. But I also think there's a, in an advertising perspective, there's differences because when you're working with influencers, Usually you're creating content, you have a content strategy, but your goal is like, you want people to see it, you want people to watch it, you want impressions, or you want people to engage with it and start a topic and ask questions, mm-hmm. or you want people to create content that people will watch. And so you can boost it or whitelist it or use it in ads or whatever that is. Your goal actually is to create that rich, dynamic content that showcases a brand in a different light. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting, I think, also because like like you're saying it comes down to the medium and also like the platform potentially um yeah. but also like the motive like are you creating to build community or are you creating to convert sales right um yeah. another thing that i think is really interesting that i kind of personally believe in which is like content creators influencers freelancers we're not necessarily salespeople. we're kind of creating the ad right like a billboard doesn't necessarily convert a sale it just gets that thought into the consumer's mind and i think that that is like a huge thing that brands maybe are starting to understand a little like i feel like for the past maybe two three years it's been about affiliate marketing and you know how many clicks can you get per sale or like how many clicks can you get even if it like i have influencer friends that will post a story collab and be like sending it to everyone like can you just click on it i need impressions to make myself look good you know um but that's not actually going to make anybody go ahead and um ultimately like buy yeah so um so yeah I don't know I I was just I was just thinking about that a lot lately and I was wondering if like that's something that is talked about on your side of things in advertising it totally is but I I I like to ask this question back what was the last thing that you bought um based on you know maybe an influencer recommendation or an ad that you saw 
Yeah. I mean, for me, it was the Fenty Gloss Bomb Pop. Um, okay. I bought, well, I bought it first because my best friend used it and I borrowed it and was like, ooh, I need this. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it was all I saw all over my TikTok. There were influencers on my Instagram posting about it. Like, I don't know what kind of algorithm was listening to me, but it was like, girly, you need that. Um, so then I bought it in three shades. Now Retargeting. I like that. Yeah. 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 So that's the thing, right? It's like, whether you hear it from someone you trust or you trust that actual influencer that's talking about it because you followed them for a while and you see them use this Fenty Beauty product or whatever it is, it just sort of reinforces that, that notion that you want to try something, right? Mm-hmm. And you're more willing to buy it. But I will say that on the advertising side, it's still like the Wild West, basically, in terms of how you plant the seed in someone's head. Uh, because I always say the consumer journey is not linear, right? Like if I see a great pair of jeans, like I love Abercrombie and Fitch jeans right now. Yes. I'm obsessed with them. And I did, I saw them through, I was, um, on, you know, TikTok and I was seeing all of these people style ANF jeans again. And I was like, what is, what has happened? I thought that right. they were over, like what was happening, but it, I, every time I saw them like pair with a different outfit and talk about the fit and talk about the, the wide range of sizing and stuff, I was like, I should, I should buy that, but it planted the seed. And then mm-hmm. I went to Abercrombie like the next day and bought it, but not from that link. And so they couldn't attribute my sales to that influencer. And so I explained that to our clients. Like you may not see the affiliate marketing and there are the ROI delivered right, right away. But it's what's important is the, the content part, because if you boost that or use that in an Instagram ad or a TikTok ad or something, you can track sales better anyways that way, because it acts more like an ad. So I think to your point earlier, we're really creating content. We're not creating ads with influencers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I also love that. And just on the note of Abercrombie. So OGs know my actual, my full name is Gabrielle. Um, and in 2018, Abercrombie did a field agent program and essentially they had us being brand ambassadors on campuses. And I was Gabercrombie on USC's campus. We had an Abercrombie <laughs> there. So I have been like an Abercrombie stand for ye- like literally since 2018. And to see it come back, like everyone's like, I love your jeans. I'm like Abercrombie. They're like, girl, you're lying. And then all of a sudden TikTok came short form video. I was like, how is it that a video of me, you know, maybe walking around or like showing my lifestyle converts a sale or plants that seed better than having an in-person conversation. And that had me thinking lately, like, wow, like this pandemic has made us hone in on the relationship we have with people digitally um it's also clearly changed the way that we've interacted with and shopped over the past two years so would you be able to talk a little bit about how kind of the pandemic has opened up this new wave of creators of advertising of opportunity within the creator economy Yes, absolutely. I think that that was our biggest growth moment in influencer as an industry. Yeah. Because we couldn't create commercials anymore. We couldn't be on set together. We couldn't have productions. It wasn't safe for us all to be in the same room. So yeah. where did we turn? People that were creating content from their homes. It was like work from home for content production, right? We were able to turn to influencers and they could create you know, looks and they could talk about real things and sort of break down those walls and barriers just inside their home without ever having to leave. And so 
we had this huge content production play with influencers. And so it really changed the game again. And we were able to, you know, have our content production and shoots and, and things to put in paid media just by working with influencers. Right. And then how did that change the work dynamic for your team? Because I know you said it did grow a lot over the past couple of years. I'm sure you have a lot of other subdivisions um, like within this influencer marketing team. Um, So I guess I guess the question here is how did that change um, working from like in person to working remotely and doing all this? And then as you've grown the team, how has that been to kind of like build on something that you created yeah i mean it's it's been a little bit odd because i've hired people that i've never met still because we were allowed to also go very talent-led in the marketplace and we were able to hire remote people in different offices all across the u.s and canada so we were able to hire in chicago and california and texas and dc and toronto and all these different places just because we no no one was tied to an office anymore, and so we could really think about who are the best people really anywhere um, that we could tap. And it's I think mindset is what we hire for first, and we want people that are very passionate. Um, but also, I like real people. I, I like people that are honest in their interviews. I like people of honest about their challenges, what they're trying to work on, what they want to get out of a job, like just just give it to me straight and i think we could design a team of different backgrounds which has been really rewarding like we have people from all over we have people that are were in gaming before or music production or like all of these different dynamic areas that have worked on twitch and projects and all these different platform projects and then people that worked on all different brands all over the you know country so it, it allowed us to open our pool and cast a wider net of our, our, who we could hire. But in terms of culture, I mean, we were doing the, the same thing that other companies were doing and that we were trying to create bingo nights over virtual happy hours and do cocktail making classes and also like just get to know you. But we poured a lot of time and energy into that connection point. And what I, I started a couple of different initiatives. One of them is who's influencing you? So we have this time every couple weeks where we did what you just did. We talked about products that we bought, where we found them, how we found them, why we bought them, if we liked the content that we saw it in. So we talk about that sort of path to purchase. And then we also have inspiration sessions where we talk about cancel culture. Mm-hmm. And we talk about, you know, the metaverse and how that works with gaming. And we talk yeah. about, you know, how to present effectively and leading with empathy and these different topics that we can cover and I think you know it's it's cheesy but collaboration is really the key to making teams feel connected and feel like they got there together in terms of an idea or a plan or a campaign approach or working with influencers yeah I really love that you actually just inspired me to ask you another question on a little bit of a more serious note probably yeah is um sorry there's a little fly my god New York. Don't you love it? Where did you come from? (laughs) Well, two things. Number one, you inspired me to look at my makeup bag right on my desk, and I'm like, uh, Charlotte Tilbury, I bought because of TikTok. Oh, God. This is happening with me all the time. Lancome, I wore it at an event, and a makeup artist told me to buy it. Rare Beauty, my best friend told me to buy it. Kiehl's, 
I got at a PR event. It's like thing after thing that I've been literally influenced to buy that are yeah. staples in my kit now that now I share and other people are like, how's your skin so glowy? Like, it's so interesting. But that's not the more serious thing I was going to talk about. The serious thing was on the note of cancel culture, mm-hmm. um, it's inevitable, I think, that at any given time, anyone could be canceled for something they say, for a product they use, for a brand they wear, um, for something they created by mistake. You know, it could be a multitude of reasons. Um, From an advertiser's perspective, let's say somebody's been canceled in the past. Let's say it's a mega influencer. I mean, we're probably not talking anything under 500K at this point because... I feel like if you're canceled under 500K, a lot of times it's very niche. <laughs> um, but we're talking about, you know, on a grand scale. Somebody with millions of followers maybe said something wrong, um, but they do ads all the time. How, from an advertising perspective, do you feel about working with somebody whose views or whose uh, integrity may have been compromised through some kind of cancel culture? I mean, at the end of the day, they are a face, they can convert, they have this massive audience, but they've also potentially had something go on in the past and maybe they fessed up to it or not. So I'm just wondering in general what your perspective on that is and if you've ever worked through a challenge like that with an influencer. Yeah, I think I think it's on everyone to influence responsibly. So it's up to the influencer to use their influence responsibly. It's up to the consumer to also work with influencers responsibly and be a discerning consumer. And then I think it's on brands and advertisers to also think through that too. Right. And like, where do they want to put their dollars and who do they want to work with? And, you know, it's tricky because you can sign a contract and then be underway and then something happens. But I think working with humans is always going to be tricky because humans make mistakes. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just how we are as people. And so when you make a mistake, I believe it's about, or you get canceled or whatever, it's how you react that's really important. And I think brands look at the reaction of that person. Do they take accountability for that action? What was it? Um, Have they, you know, have they apologized sincerely or have they done something to, I think, right whatever wrong they, they committed? So I think it's up to the reaction and how those people handle it. It dips a little bit into like crisis management too, right? It's like, how do you deal with a crisis or something happening with a brand? It's, it's very similar to that in that you work on their reaction, you work on the path forward and, you know, cancel culture is very, I think, controversial in general because people are also talking about cancel culture and talking about empathy and how it affects people and being thoughtful about that too. So, and you know, people can get canceled and then they're not canceled anymore. It really depends. It's a case by cases and no one's perfect. Yeah. It's, it's, I like what you said about like humans are bound to make mistakes and we have to be somewhat forgiving. And I think if anything in the pandemic, it taught us to give one another grace, but also to be responsible, like you said. Um, so I, I really love that. And now we're at the 35 minute mark. So I'm going to say, let's have some more water. Let's hydrate. Cheers cheers to drinking water (laughs) or whatever else. Because it's St. Patrick's Day. (laughs) Um, I have to hydrate after a long work day. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Okay. So now I have another question on, um, I guess, the more like 
uh, wait, shoot, it literally escaped my mind. Um, oh, right, Web3. Can we talk about Web3 and what you think that is going to look like uh, for influencers as well as, because I think they're related, influencers turning from an online personality into a brand? Yeah, I think online personalities turning into a brand, and I mean, there's so many different examples of that, right? Like, I, I think... I think it's interesting when people and people that have followings make something that's valuable to the community, Mm -hmm. whatever that is. Um, So I, I, I would definitely advise people to definitely make brands. If you're, if you're known for that, you feel passionate about it. It it literally comes back to the like pillars that I was talking about earlier, feel passionate about it, bring value to whoever it is and then build, build sort of whatever you want. I think, I think people need to put energy into what, what they feel like will, you know, bring them happiness, bring them joy, all that sort of thing. And so I think if that's a brand for you, great. If it's content creation for you, great. Like whatever it is for you, make it happen. Like I, I always think of also like chef influencers and cooking influencers and stuff, creating their cookbook. There's a lot of controversy over that too. Like there's so many cookbooks now, but I, I mean like if it, if it's what makes you happy, in terms of recipe creation and you can really add something there, like, why not? Yeah. Yeah. I think also social media has been it at first again. And I think we're still talking like a couple of years ago, like maybe even before the pandemic, like social media wasn't really taken seriously, I think as a career path until the pandemic hit. And until there was this urgent need to take production to a smaller scale, really, and to kind of give the power over to individuals to create in all sorts of ways. Um, so I think, in a way, the the pandemic. Uh, I saw a poll today on I'm, I think LinkedIn that was like, "Do you think if the pandemic didn't happen that the creator economy would be where it is today?" Um, and I thought that that was a really interesting quote or question because yeah. I personally don't think it would be. Um, I think it would be completely different. And speaking from a firsthand experience, I thought I was going to go into corporate social media for an entertainment studio. That was my plan or an agency. I worked at Movers and Shakers. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, they do a lot of like TikTok marketing. I worked oh, cool. at Warner Bros. I worked at Paramount. Um, I had this plan that I was going to go on this corporate journey um, and and work with influencers, still work in the social space. Yeah. But had the pandemic not happened, I wouldn't have blown up on TikTok. I wouldn't have created this community of chronically ill people that I talk with and engage with across, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, podcasting, Facebook, Pinterest. I mean, that's crazy that I manage that many platforms, but my reach is so wide because of it. And again, like how did the pandemic not happen? That wouldn't have happened. And that is the same for creators. And that's also the same for clearly a lot of people that joined your team. So um, I guess I kind of answered the question, but what's your take (laughs) on it? (laughs) I, you know, I think it would have been a longer runway Mm-hmm. Um, it would have developed slower yeah. if without the pandemic, because they, you know, brands that were already doing that with influencer marketing sort of missed a beat, but they weren't as behind as brands, you know, that hadn't done influencer marketing at all or had a social media presence. 
Um, so I think we would have been behind uh, mm-hmm. in terms of influencer and it wouldn't have blown up like you said. And, you know, one thing that was great about the pandemic is also the amount of time we were spending in front of screens mm-hmm. went up exponentially and people yeah. were riveted by people, content creators and, uh, and, and it provided so much comfort for people during a really hard time. And they were able to turn to their screens and find people that they connected with. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if it would have, um, how slow it would have been right. in terms of influencer marketing blowing up, but I'm just glad that, uh, people found that connection point through it and people like yourself, they were able to talk to people, provide comfort, share experiences. And for me, I don't think that I would have had the same experience without TikTok. It just completely opened up my world. Um, and I that you know that's what I love about influencer marketing is connects you to anyone, anywhere, across the world. Social media in general does, and it allows people to do it for a living to get paid for it too, yeah. which, yeah. and then you can cre- keep creating content and keep connecting and it just sort of perpetuates the, the community, which I like. Yeah. Well, this leads perfectly into my next question, which is about your take on how creators can get compensated fairly and, yeah. you know, what are good rates? How do you land partnerships? What are best practices? Um, obviously there's variables like following, engagement rate, specific niche, exclusivity. Um, But from your perspective, since you're like the queen of influencer marketing, I want you to break it down for us. Yeah. So do your research is what I would say first. Every good strategy starts with a lot of research Mm -hmm. and insight, right? So, you know, I've seen people, creators on TikTok, there's Facebook groups, there's forums, there's Reddit Mm -hmm. threads. There's so many places where you can look for information. And like, I, I sort of think of it like being a freelancer, right? Like, how would you set your own freelancer rates? There's no like freelancer rate card, there are standards, but there it's so different depending on the industry that you're in, mm-hmm. the platform you're creating for. Do you do photos, static images? Do you do podcasts? Like, what do you do? And how do you price that out based on your category? And then think about your following and your niche and your engagement rate. Um, because I mean, I could talk all day about CPE models, cost for engagement, cost Mm -hmm. for impression models, that sort of thing. But what I think you need to, how to price yourself is to look at others in your industry and then think about the time that it takes you to like when, when I'm talking to a brand and justifying a rate for someone that we really want to work with, I think how much time and effort did they put into creating this video? How much time and effort did they spend into editing transitions? That's hard. I mm-hmm. try to even try to like do a TikTok video myself. I'm like, oh my gosh, this took me four hours. Mm-hmm. Now it's 4 a.m. and I have to go to sleep. This is crazy. <laughs> so like, I, I think about it takes so much time. Like what what's your hourly rate, right? Mm-hmm. Like how much time does it take you to create a piece of content? Represent that fairly to a brand have your rationale and justification for that rate. And a lot of the times, you know, we're wanting to work with an influencer or whatever that we come to, I think a great package rate for both. And then think about like the other value, right? Like the product that you're getting and um, do you want to work with them again? And like, do you want to work on a long-term basis? We've seen people negotiate of, you know, I could do this one project, but how would you feel about working more on like a three month, two project or something basis for Mm -hmm. a different, package rate. 
and we yeah. can consider those opportunities and stuff. So I, I would say like, do your research, price yourself accordingly, have a media kit. And so we, you know, we know what your justification is sort of in the upfront. Um, and then don't be afraid to pitch brands that you love. I, I see this a lot, like on TikTok, people giving advice about, um, go ahead and reaching out to brands. We are people behind the screens and humans, and we read your messages and, and we pitch them to a brand if we think it's a good fit. And the fact that you're reaching out as a fan means that we don't have to sift through people that haven't tried a product yet. Mm-hmm. We, we can sift through people that are already good fans of the brand. But I want to answer your other question on like pay equity. And that's something mm-hmm. that we definitely think about too. Um, like if we have two creators, they're very similar in following and all that sort of stuff and hours it takes to create the content and the licensing. That's another thing too. If you're paying for music or you're like giving over your piece of content to a brand, think about that rate too. It's like a pho- photographer, videographer rate, like mm-hmm. do your research. Um, and you're giving all of that uh, to the, the brand. And we have, you know, one creator that looks very similar to another creator in terms of the package and everything, we'll try to pay them the same. So we'll try to do the pay equity on our side. That's why I said, like, it's on everyone to be responsible in this situation. The influencers right. represent themselves responsibly and the brand and advertisers to to also take that rate and responsibly decide, like, what does pay equity mean to that brand and that campaign? Yeah, I definitely have been thinking about this a lot, and I very much appreciate your answer and the take that you're having on it because – Um, despite, how do I word this properly? Despite some, uh, things that have happened, like getting verified on all my platforms and growing exponentially and having my engagement go up on a campaign I was previously engaged in, they made it non-negotiable, even though there was like an option extended. And I was like, well, this isn't fair because out of the whole pool of people, my rates are significantly higher because of my affinity, because of the community, whatever. And at the end of the day, it's kind of challenging because they manipulate you into being like, okay, well, don't you need this money? You know, like you're the one who's freelancing, right? Like, don't you need this deal? It would really suck if you left, (laughs) you know? And I, I mean, those words were never like, completely said but like the vibe was there right and I just feel like it's really interesting to go through that and to hear you talking about you know yes we want to pay people the same but then at the same time are you bringing creators at the same level together or are you bringing creators who one's like a super micro and maybe one's like a macro and you know there's like a handful of different people doing different things how can you pay them the same when their quality is different or one's engagement's better or something like that so I've just been thinking about that a lot and also like is it the influencer's job to hold the brand accountable and in doing so do you do that publicly by blasting them or like do do agencies or brands look at that and then kind of get scared and say oh this influencer is not afraid to blast people for not paying them right we don't want to work with them in fear of us kind of like doing something wrong I don't know does that like make any sense like what I'm saying yeah so I you know I'll say and and you know first like if you're on the influencer advertiser side if all of your emails got published to somebody, mm-hmm. would you be okay with that? I think that's how you have to talk to people, yeah. especially in business, right? Like if, if you were to publish everything, would you be like, okay with people seeing it? Um, I think that that's sort of the mindset that you have to have. It's also a business. 
So I think it it is tricky when you're talking about negotiation, right? Because mm-hmm. like negotiation, the first rule of negotiation is you have to be ready to walk away. Like when you're asking for something, it's almost like you have to be ready to, to, to walk away. And when you're an influencer starting out in this business, it's hard to learn the business side. It's hard to learn your worth. And it's hard to feel backed into a corner because this huge brand is willing to give you X, but you think you're worth X mm-hmm. or whatever that is, or you're pricing it and you did all your research and you're justifying it accordingly. I think you have to be ready to walk away from those deals. And in terms of like blasting on the internet and stuff, no one wants to get blasted on the internet a hundred percent. Like, they don't, but no one also wants to be in fear of blasting people on the internet. And I think going back to cancel culture too, it's like, when, when do, when are people, people are discerning consumers. People know if you just had a bad experience or if it's like justified and several people are saying and that sort of thing. But I think as marketers, we just have to like, if this came out, would you, would you be okay with it? And that's how we have to like approach people. And, you know, to your point about, um, can we pay creators the same when they're micro influencers or mega influencers or whatever it is. But when you have a mega following, you've likely mm-hmm. built that over years. So you have years of experience, right? That makes a difference. Like for yeah. a freelancer, would you pay someone with 10 years different, someone with two months? You would. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think you have to think about that too, and really think about the business side as you're setting it up. And I, it's tricky. Like learning how to do your taxes as a content creator. That's, that's tricky. You know, I know. Yeah. I'm doing that for the second year now. And I'm like, this is a huge pile of papers. Yeah, it (laughs) is. It's confusing. It's, it's a lot, but I mean, like, I just, I have so much respect for creators because they're navigating a business world, a tax world, content creation. Yeah. Like, uh, what people like people's opinions are everything else and you're putting yourself out there but it's for a reason because you're connecting with people and the reason you're getting compensated is because how else would we reach those people without you and so I I don't know I just I I just love this space because like I said it's just putting real people in advertising again it's elevating real voices it's holding up the megaphones to underrepresented voices underrepresenting topics Mm -hmm. like all of these things that weren't in advertising before and it's really in the consumer's hands finally I agree finally and I'm so happy to hear that like somebody on the side making like the the brand side the agency side like is so invested in making a difference and not necessarily just flooding money through all the time because that's what it can feel like as a creator when you're not sure of yourself or your worth or you don't talk to your friends about what you get paid because of some like thing you're tiptoeing around or like you don't give somebody a contact um who wants to work somewhere I'm always like I'm always okay with giving an intro if the integrity's there and leaving it up to the receiver to take it or not um I personally I don't know is it weird to like send a referral like oh I loved the campaign my friend Bob you know really loves your stuff too and is an amazing creator they you know here's an organic example of you know something that they've done in an ad they would love to work with you you know can I refer you out what do you what do you think about that because I feel like a lot of creators are sharing their contacts more and more as they have these discussions around pay equity well would you refer someone that you really believed into a job yeah absolutely totally you would it's a it's like referring someone to a job if you believe in them and you you know they're a big fan of the brand like 
why not? Like the, the, I think the other part of influencer marketing is like people are afraid to almost communicate, but literally Mm -hmm. we're all people. We're just talking to each other. We're trying, we're trying to find the best people for our brands. We're trying. And then, you know, fans are trying to find brand contacts so they can work with us. Mm -hmm. Those connection points. And that, I just see that as networking. You, someone that we really trust and love. So if you're working with us, Judy, and it's like, a we loved your content and everything and you refer someone to us, we're going to be like, we loved working with this creator. Like, of right. course we would take her recommendation. You've influenced us. That's the whole thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Another question I kind of, we, I, I feel like, I don't know, maybe we glossed over was like creators kind of turning into brands and dipping into the web three space. Um, and I also think that uh, is an addition on and or a more specific point to where do you see influencer marketing going in the future? So there's a lot of conversations about influencer marketing um, in terms of like AI and different mediums and uh, spaces like that. It also, I think, depends on where you are in the world. I think influencer marketing in the U.S. is going to look different than maybe influencer marketing in Asia. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think it's a different global space. I think as it, it, it was born in word of mouth marketing. So I don't think that it'll go away. It'll just change. And it may not be called influencer marketing in 20, 25 years. It may be called something completely different. Creator economy. I don't know. AI influencers. Xenon, girl of the 21st. <laughs> I have literally, I don't know. But I think it's the, as, as long as people will matter what other people think by love, influence will, will stay alive. It'll just, the, the mediums will change. The channels mm-hmm. will change. The content types will change. Yeah. Um, influencers, I think, will create brands and create spaces and products that people love based on um, what they've learned. It's almost like insights. Like they've learned from their following that there's a gap to fill. And so now they can fill that gap. And I think it'll just keep evolving and keep changing yeah. until, I don't know, for the next thousand years, you know? Right. So I now I have two more questions. One question is, do you think that there's going to be some kind of like influencer union to help kind of like these these bigger creators really uh, band together and make sure that there is a standard across the board? I this is such an interesting question because um, did you know that SAG has an influencer waiver? Mm-hmm. And like SAG is actually trying to get a hold of influencer marketing in general because basically it's almost like talent, especially when you're using influencers and commercials. So I think that that will continue to expand The I think the industry will become more regulated as time goes on, just like social media was right. Like over time, social media got more regulated. There was like benchmarks. There was, um, a lot of transparency and like what you pay for certain media ads. And I think that there will become more transparency in the industry. I think, um, there will be less probably influencer marketing platforms and people will centralize, standardize, come up with like golden rules of like how mm-hmm. to work with influencers and standards. And it, it will be by brand, but then I think it will be by industry. And I think it'll just eventually keep standardizing until we're all sort of working from a similar playbook in terms of sort of the, the rules of influencer marketing, um, just like social media. I think it's just like, the new form of social media almost, you know, uh, and it's weird too, like hiring people because none of their titles are the same. Like it, it falls into so many different, um, categories like PR and then media and then 
like all of these different worlds, but I think eventually it'll, it, it might even hang out by, by itself like social media does. And there will be lots more departments that you can join that's very specific to influencer marketing. Yeah, it's definitely interesting also because like I have friends who grew up or like did college major, like they did a finance major or an analytics major, but they're an influencer on the side or they work in med tech and they're an influencer and talk about fashion on the side. And it's like, oh, like they could literally get hired to run a TikTok account corporately, you know? So like, even though they're traditionally trained, I feel like so many people, especially Gen Z and Gen Alpha, are like interested in being creators. So I agree with you. I think that's definitely going to happen. I have two more hot take questions. They don't have to be long answers. The first one is, does verification matter when hiring an influencer? interesting like interestingly enough not as much as you think thank you for that i mean we we really i mean like verification status um is pitched more as like a from a talent agency Mm -hmm. perspective they'll be like oh this person's verified so it might be like a negotiation tactic but you know we hire micro influencers all the time we don't fault them for not being verified because we're looking for people that are just starting out or people that are talking about niche topics or whatever it is so i would say verification matters less than you think. Okay, amazing. And then the second (laughs) question, which you also weaved right in there, is how important is it to get talent representation and or be repped by an agency? And if so, when? Yeah, I think... I think it really... I I mean, it, it depends on, I think, the industry that you're in. I think I... Just like if you were... Like, you don't have to have representation like you really do in, like, the acting community or, like, the entertainment community to be able to work with brands. I think that that's what's so interesting about this industry. It's, like, it's currently not gatekept. Like, just because you don't have a talent agent doesn't mean we won't talk to you. We Mm -hmm. actually, a lot of the times, do work with people personally that are running their own businesses and they don't have representation. Now, if you're not getting a ton of opportunities or you're having trouble marketing yourself or you want to be exposed to a certain, like, range portfolio of brands and you're wanting to work with say like you're a fashion influencer and you want to work with a fashion talent agency because you're not able to sort of make those connections and you know you need someone to beef up your portfolio just like an entertainer or something work work with work with a talent agent but Mm -hmm. you don't have to like you can you can do this on your own I think you just have to be willing to learn and research and build it yourself yeah oh my gosh well this has been so fun Um, My last question to you is, what's your mantra or favorite quote? I ask everyone this. If you're not uncomfortable, you're doing it wrong, Mm -hmm. is my thing. I I talk about this a lot, just in, you know, I've learned over the years how to be a leader. And that's Mm -hmm. something that when you're a leader and you're a manager, you're basically in service of other people. So you have to learn a lot of empathy and you have to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And I've learned just in agency life and this is just in general, the people that usually frustrate you the most and you find super challenging to work with are the people that you need to meet with more because they challenge your perspective. They disagree Mm -hmm. with you. They make you uncomfortable. And if you meet with them more, you're probably going to learn a completely new perspective, something that you didn't know before. And it's going to take you outside of your comfort zone. You're going to learn something new. You're going to at least at the, you know, the very least, learn from someone else's perspectives and experiences. And that's, that's going to give you growth. And that's, so every day, my job's a little bit uncomfortable. I'm, you know, facing all of the different topics that you talked about, right? Like Mm -hmm. crypto, 
cryptocurrency, blockchain, the metaverse, NFTs, things that, you know, I don't, I'm not a big expert in or, or something like that. But if you're willing to learn, it opens up your whole world. Yeah, I love that so much. This has been an incredibly insightful hour for me. And I feel like we could probably go on yeah. hours and hours. And I'm definitely going to hit you up to grab some lunch or coffee sometime yes. in the city. Yeah. Um, because you were just a positive sunshine beam. And I really, really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to come and talk to my audience. Um, one last thing. Do you want, do, if people want to reach out to you, if you're okay with it, where can they find you? If if you're like, no, I don't want them to do that, that's also fine. Oh, no, please. Okay. Ask me questions. Um, you can definitely re- reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's Ansley Williams. Mm-hmm. My Instagram is Ansgrams. And yeah, just reach out to me on a social platform. And I do read everything. So I'll read yeah. it and I'll answer your questions if I can. And thank you so much for having me. It's, it's so fun to get to talk to a creator about this yeah. stuff. And obviously, I'm passionate and I really love it. So doesn't feel like work to me. Oh my God. Yeah. It's been literally so fun. And it's not often I bring on people from the marketing side. And a lot of people don't even know, like I was on the marketing agency side, even like two years ago. Um, So for me to just like get back into it and kind of talk about it, that's also what I'm researching in my master's, which I, I didn't I'll probably end the episode here, but um, yeah, that's what I'm doing in my master's, so I just get to kind of like talk with people, but anyhow, I will let you go. Enjoy your St. Patrick's Day. Thank Um, you. Of course, and I will hit you offline. All right, party people. That's good. Um, Cool. Wait, let me just end it there. Boom.